we put the kids to bed at 7.15, and then I have a little lull from probably 7.15 to 8, where I'm just like, wow, kids, we made it. Your kids go to bed at 7.15? Our kids go to their bedrooms at 7.15. Okay. Um, Colton goes to bed, and he'll, 7.15, he's out, and he'll sleep. Um, when does he wake up? I don't know, honestly. Maybe 8.30 to 9, somewhere that, maybe earlier. Well done. Yeah. Um, and then, um, which, by the way, the sleep thing is all from the book Baby Wise. If you've never read it, it's all about sleep training your kid, I think. I didn't read it. Jamie did, and she did a good job with it. But <laughs> anyway, and then um, what's the other? Yeah, so our kids, I mean, literally from like three months in, they're sleeping 12 hours a night. Um, Kate and Mackenzie go to their rooms around 7.15. Um, and then Kenzie, she's like me. She can stay up till midnight, 1 a.m. One time I literally was going to go like check on the kids and say goodnight. Um, before I went to bed and turn off their lights and, you know, clean up whatever mess they made. And it was probably 1245 AM and her light was on. And I opened the door and she's sitting in a rocking chair, a little kid's rocking chair, rocking a baby doll. And she just looks up at me and goes, my baby won't go to sleep. So my cousin, you decide that's a fake baby. You decide that you're not going to sleep. <laughs> Cade will go. He's normally a, a, asleep by nine. Um, he's the early riser, like the old grandpa in the family. He'll wake up at, um, what times he wake up? Probably six fifteen. sometimes. Goes down, makes his own breakfast, um, does his own thing. He walks himself to the How bus. How old in the is Kate? He's eight. Um, so look, him, and here's the deal. This is what Jamie and I have realized, because we like to sleep in and we always have. And I thought when I became an adult that that would pass. And I would be like, okay, now I'm an adult. I have to wake up early. And it's out. Maybe it's coming, but it hasn't come yet. And um, so... We sleep in and we just take the risk of like most mornings they do fine. Other mornings, like this is probably a month ago, we started potty training Colton, who's two. And we came out and there was poop smeared all over three of the bedroom doors. Oh, no. And we're like, okay, I mean, hey, we, that's, that's, Got it. We, yeah, but now we made them clean it up for two hours, but, um, it's like Passover. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. It's kind of similar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guys, welcome into the Get Body Podcast. This is your host, Shar Cross, a.k.a. your boy Cher. And as always, I've got my wonderful, amazing, beautiful co-host. Give it up for Dr. Luke. Hello, everyone. Oh, wow. Clapping. You said to give it up. Yeah, sound effects. I like that. No, well, now I can't say what I was going to say. Do we have a soundboard? (laughs) And uh, the wonderful, amazing Jungle Kitty himself, David Dutton. We were playing my song this morning. Yeah. Were we? What was your song? He has a new song. Is right. that the uh, Meek Mill song or something you no, sent no, last week? No, it's not the J. Cole song, which is awesome. But which like, I also added to my playlist. Yeah. It was a, you hear that? Kitty's in the jungle. <laughs> kitty, kitty, kitty in the jungle. So we were at semifinals, and Kyle was like, do you hear what the song is saying? And I said, no. Shout out to Kyle Zetron, by the way. Yeah. And I said, no. He said, it says, this is David's song. It says Kitties in the Jungle. And I was like, oh, cool. And so I added it to my playlist. So uh played it this morning. Audience, for a limited time only at the gym, Luke will be playing the song. So please come flocking to the gym. Here's the thing. I really came tonight because I want to be the person that gets to... Um, you know, Another one. Like, be your... <laughs> I want to add all your... your yes. Um, <laughs> Oh, 
Audience, give it up for Waylon. Mix Master Waylon. Robert Willoughby. Um, and we do have a PSA. This episode is sponsored by Chick Fil A. No, no, by Waylon. By Waylon. Yeah. Mm. If you want a good friend, <laughs> reach out to Waylon. There you go. If you want to know somebody that you know hands out free Chick Fil A and is loving and kind, reach out to Waylon. It's me. That's what I'm here for. What are the things? Yeah. The the uh, the mom. The member of the month. Oh, Wayland's one of mom. the members of the month. Oh, thank you for the card. Who is the other? Shout out to Lindy. Oh, uh, Lindy. Lindy Grossman. Yeah. No way. Um. Shout out. Shout out to Lindy. Should we start the podcast? We've started already. That's right. We have started. Okay, so now it's officially started. <laughs> it is. Is this where I can give my disclaimer? Yes. Yes, please. Okay, please. I'd yeah. like to give a disclaimer that one, if I offend you, I apologize. Um, that you were so stupid. No, I'm just kidding. I offend you if I apologize. Or I, That's the time you, <laughs> you should have hit this, the sound thing. You can edit this stuff out, right? We're going to hold on. There we go. We're going to start over. I apologize if I offend you, but also I reserve the right to change my opinion. So when I'm running for president in 15 years and you yeah. dig something up on this podcast, there's a chance I've changed my mind or realized, mm, probably shouldn't have said that. Mm. So. And please don't run for president. Another disclaimer: If he has offended you, realize he's offended other people as well. <laughs> I, literally, I will say that I have. <laughs> I mean, I've been alive now for thirty-four years, and okay. so I've probably said or thought something offensive about every single human on this planet, <laughs> um, animals, even inanimate objects, um, and those are just the things I've said out loud. Or I've yeah. thought so. Yeah, I'm not a perfect person, so. Turn down for what? <laughs> yeah, Waylon. All right, Waylon Willoughby. I'm turning this. I have to look okay. Waylon Willoughby, uh, Tennessee Titan. Tighten up. Tighten up, baby. All right. So you were born in Tennessee. Uh, yes, I was. I think I wasn't there. Well, I was there, but I don't remember it. Tell us a little bit about your life growing up. You weren't there when you were born. <laughs> I was. Yeah. So where do you want me to start? You tell us about the house you lived in, bro. Okay. Yeah. So I grew up in a small town called Townsend, Tennessee. Um, if you've ever been to the Great Smoky, Nash, Great Smoky Mountains National Park, chances are you've driven through Townsend. Um, they refer to it as the peaceful side of the Smokies. So it's kind of on the other side of the mountains from Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge. Oh. Um, yeah. Peaceful side of the Smokies. Was, I was like, is there a lot of violence on the other side of the Smokies? <laughs> oh, no. There was. Well, right? There, not, one point. there was a lot of violence. It was me. I was the one causing most of it. Uh, on the peaceful side. Yes, on the peaceful side. Okay. Yeah, the true story. My next door neighbor um, shot and killed a bear in our backyard. And so my mom called the cops on him. He got arrested. His name was Raymond. We called him Peabody. I don't know why. And it was just like growing up, it was like that neighbor on a movie that like if your ball goes in the yard, it's like, well, I'm not getting that ball back because you think he's going to shoot you. Um, and he was really mad at us, I'm assuming, because he got arrested for shooting the bear in our backyard. So was he, he trying to save your life? Yeah. Was he just like, no, That's what I thought. I'm like, hey, if there's a bear in my backyard, please shoot it. Um, but did you mom, guys a service? That's what I thought, too. But anyway, he got arrested. Also, as a, as a, like, my younger brother keeps sending me pictures of his house, like, real close to Ohio State's campus, mm -hmm. of, of deer that are yeah. hanging out in his backyard. He's like, yeah, I got a buck. And now he sent me a picture today. He's like, hey, I've got a buck and a doe that are both. He's like, my my dear brand friends. 
But I, I would, mm. I thought that when you told me that story about the bear, I thought immediately like, oh, cool. Like I'll just, Hey, I don't have to go out hunting. I'll just, right. It, it I, comes to me. Yeah. It comes to me. We actually here in Westerville had a pack of deer that would come to our house all the time Yeah, before we put up a fence. And I got to the point where I could feed them strawberries, bananas. I could pet their little noses. Really? Yep. yep. And then we put up a fence. And so now I don't see them as frequently. Yeah. Okay. So, pack of deer so Peabody them. shot. So Peabody was yes. one of your neighbors. Yeah. He then that. And we didn't have a neighbor on the other side of the house. Um, we also had, um, let's see, Willard and Beatrice. They lived across the street. That's fun names to I say out loud. Willard, man. Yeah. He was, is, that is so Tennessee. It is, man. He spent all day in his, like, in his garden. I really hope. Him or his family's not listening to this because one time my brother and I were outside camping in like the yard, and um, I don't know why we were outside camping in the yard, but we were. And he loved his garden, and my brother went and like ripped up all the uh, like a bunch of his greens or something and shoved them in his mailbox. It's I'm not I see I'm already offending Willard. Well, oh Willard, yeah. I mean <laughs> anyway. I, you know what that was that was your brother that did it. I know, and it's like you know he knew we did it, but he never he never came in yelled at us for it. So I appreciate mm. that about him. So um, you lived in a small town, town, yeah, small town, 2000 people there. Um, family situation. Yep. So I have a mom, dad, they, my dad uh, worked in a factory. My parents met hitchhiking. My mom picked my dad up while he was hitchhiking. That's a fun story. Um, once again, wasn't there for that, that but that's what I've heard. Now. I know. <laughs> um, and so they lived in a campground for their first couple years of marriage. Um, and then ended up, um, we got that house in Townsend. My dad worked at a factory. Um, my mom stayed home with us. Uh, we were homeschooled, uh, for my first, up till my first year of fifth grade. And so that should tell you how good of a homeschooler I was. Um, you've got like the smart homeschoolers and then there's me. Um, and so have a older brother, younger brother, younger sister, two older half sisters. I've only met them like a handful of times in my life. Um, yeah, so that's the family. And we had a cat named Sugar. She lived outside and she lived to be like 19 years. I'm convinced she's still alive, honestly, because she just one day left and we've never seen her. So Ooh. I don't know where she is. Wow. Ghost cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you got homeschooled, did another year kind of fifth of. grade. Yeah. So was homeschooled. Um, I honestly don't remember how I learned how to read. It was just kind of like, hey, here's a book. Go figure it out. So I would, you know, try to figure it out. Then when I was, we moved when I turned 12 closer to Knoxville. Um, and so it felt like we were going to the big city because, you know, now we used to, like if we were going out to do our laundry or go into the grocery store, we called it going to town. It was like a 20 minute drive. So we moved to town. So I felt like, you know, I'm this is the big city now. And so we moved out to Knoxville. Um and fortunately ended up getting financial aid and got to go to this like small Christian school. But when I took the test, they had me take a test to see if I could get into sixth grade. And they're like, no, yeah, you're not ready. Um, and I didn't know. I said, okay. So ended up going there for fifth grade again, which worked out well because I liked being the older one in my class. You and you found a grade that you liked. Well, and I find a grade I like, I stick with it. And that's what yeah. I was saying earlier. Yeah. yeah it was, and it was a really good one. Fifth grade was. That was a joke, but it was good. One. <laughs> Um, no, so it was, it was cool. It, honestly, there was a big transition of going from homeschool to real school where it was kind of weird because there's a lot of things. I get, so I, first day of school, I get up and start walking to the bathroom. And the teacher's like, whoa, where are you going? I'm like, I'm going to the bathroom. She's like, you didn't ask. Like, why would I ask to go to the bathroom? Like, I've, yeah. I do that every day since I've been born. 
said, you have to ask at school. So that was weird. Um, and then, you know, it's like the first week, everybody's going out for recess. She's like, oh, you got to stay in. And I was like, why? She says, you didn't finish your homework. I was like, I did like the first four problems. She's like, there's 22. I said, I got the hang of it. And she's like, that's that's not how this works. Like you got to complete all of it. And so (laughs) just weird things like that, that I wasn't used to, you know, when I was doing homeschool in my boxers and my, you know, sleeping bag in my room, just, you know, reading a book and trying to figure it out. So, um, worked out really well though. The school was cool. Had a lot of good role models that came out of going there. Um, there was also some, it was interesting school because it was like, um, I don't know, just a weird dynamic. I was there on financial aid. Everybody else was there because I could afford to go there. And so that was always, I felt a little out of place because of that. Um, you know, everybody. So you've probably wondered if you've seen me at the gym why I'm sponsored in Under Armour. It probably goes back to my um, childhood because that was like the brand I could never afford to have was Under Armour. And I had like used Goodwill Walmart clothes. And the worst, like I would have to like, I'd have the same pair of shoes for three years and we'd like wash it in the washing machine and it would get that like mildewy smell. And it was just like, I was always embarrassed by it. And I was like, one day I'm going to have Under Armour. And so that's all I buy now. It's a real thing. I remember being uh, in sixth grade and that's when sixth grade, seventh grade, that's when Nike elite socks came out and you were the coolest kid. If you had Nike elite socks. Yeah. And I wore the Walmart name brand like the walmart branded socks or whatever and my friends would make fun of me yeah and i was like one day i will wear those nike socks and well and the funny thing yeah. is about it like now everybody's like why do you still wear under armor dude like, That's kind of, <laughs> <laughs> i can't win <laughs> like, i worked my whole life to buy these under armor clothes and now i'm getting made fun of again was it easy for you to make friends in in school um i think so i mean I don't know. It was kind of like, I felt like I always had a good friend or two. Uh, my first several years there, like I said, I just always felt kind of out of place. Um, and so, you know, like it, it was, it's also weird when you're a kid making friends. Cause you could just walk up to somebody and be like, Hey, you want to be best friends? And they're like, okay, sure. And then like a year later, you're like, I don't really like you anymore. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> do you want to be best friends? And you're like, sure. So I did that a little bit in like fifth grade and um, sixth grade met my, you know, my best friend, Daniel, we were best friends for, probably like sixth grade till he ended up going to a different school for high school. So all of middle school, like we were inseparable. And, um, actually his dad was a huge role model of mine, um, growing up. So yeah, that part. And then high school really once somewhere in middle school, I guess I discovered like, wow, I kind of like girls and they're attractive. And so I was like, I need to get married. I need to find a girlfriend. And so basically from eighth grade on, I was like always dating somebody um, like I just felt like I had to like, you know, find somebody before they're all gone. And, um, and so that's probably where I struggled a lot having like deep relationship with guys. Cause I'd get a girlfriend, like all we would do is hang out and I wouldn't spend any time with guy friends. Um, so yeah, but so from that aspect, it was a little difficult sometimes to make friends. Cause you know, I would be the type of guy who's like dating a girl. Like that's like the only person I would spend time with. Did you do any sports or anything or I played one year of middle school flag football in eighth grade. I won the sack attack award for, I guess, sacking the quarterback a few times. Sack attack. Uh, yeah. It's, I still have a little trophy that says that, that. sounds incredibly inappropriate. Well, why do you still have a trophy? <laughs> I mean, it was like the only sport I did. So I got to keep that. Actually, I did eventually found out you can buy your own trophies. I'm like, I don't ever work for this again. 
Um, no, but then... So, is this why you also still currently play flag football? It is. I, I like football. It's fun. and flag football. Mm-hmm. So I did that in middle school. I played upward basketball, which is like, I don't know if it's up here in the South. It was this kind of like church league basketball for kids. And I was so bad at it. And I would get out there. I didn't know any of the fundamentals of basketball. And um, at the end of each game, they would always like, you know, you'd huddle up with your team and they would give out these stars. They're like most valuable player, best offense, best defense, best sportsmanship. And then they had the most Christ-like because it was like a church league. And I would always get the most Christ-like one. <laughs> and I was just like, after a while, it started adding. I'm like, I literally almost like body slammed that kid into the wall. I shoved him. Like, how am I the most Christ-like? And I think it was because I was just so bad at it. <laughs> they were like, oh, here's best offense. Here's MVP. We're down to this one. So, there you go. Um, so, yeah, basketball was not my thing. Um, and then once I got... I mean, I worked a lot for all of high school. Um, and then in college, I started kind of having some more free time. And so did some intramural stuff. It, this is embarrassing. Literally, I was a freshman in college playing um, playing softball. And my buddy Beecher, he was like, hey, dude, like, you're like, why when you're throwing the ball with your right hand, do you put your right foot forward? That's so weird. And I was what? like, isn't that how you're supposed to do it? He said, no. And so he like shows me and I'm like, whoa, I can throw the ball so much further now. He's like, well, yeah. So I was, um, I was getting caught up on a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. So it wasn't, wasn't you really. Met, you have a friend named Beecher? Yeah. First name or his last name? That's his first name. Oh, oh, no. oh, sorry. We're laughing at the story. He's just like, you got a friend named Beecher. No, that's. A, <laughs> I thought it was a pretty cool name. Um, I've never heard that name before. Where did you go to college? Uh, Well, so I started out at Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee. Did one semester there. Then I um, transferred to Pellissippi State Technical Community College for one semester. And then graduated from the University of Tennessee. Did you have something picked out? or? I did. So, I mean, I knew from the time I was 16 I wanted to own a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And so that was kind of my goal. Um, ended up going to Lee University because I, mean, well, I didn't really know anything about college. Like, I mean, I was, I wasn't the best student. I mean, middle school was terrible. I was just catching up. High school, I mean, kind of the way I operated was if I didn't get it finished in class, I wouldn't do it. Like, I don't think I did homework once. I don't think I ever studied for a test once in high school. I was just kind of like, well, okay, I'm going to go work and have fun. And, um, and so I, mean, I had very just average grades at best, um, in high school. And then college came around. I'm like, wait, so like, I've got it. Like if I want to own this restaurant, I've got to figure this out. Um, I don't think any of my family had ever been to college or anything. So I was like, just kind of figuring out how to do this. And, um, so I went to Lee cause I was dating a girl. I was, I guess she was a lot older than me now that I think about it. Cause I was in high school and she went to Lee university and ended up going there because I was dating her. And then big change of, there's a lot we could dig into here. Met Jamie, my senior year of high school, broke up with that girl. And then two weeks later, I was dating Jamie. Two months later, we were engaged. And so she was going to go to Mississippi State. Yeah. So this is like two months out of high school. Um, So she was going to go to Mississippi State. She one day, this, so let me, I'll back up a little bit here. Can I tell the story of Jamie first? Um, Okay. I got a thumbs up for all you listeners out there that couldn't see it. Um, tighten up. Tighten up. <laughs> <laughs> zach, zach. Yeah. 
don't know. No. So my senior year of high school, I was working at a Chick-fil-A. Um, and the owner there took all the seniors out to dinner every year in a limo. And so got in the car, rode the limo, and then Jamie was in there. And we had worked together for probably a year and a half, um, but we had opposite schedules. So, I mean, I, I knew who she was, but didn't know her. And she looks at me and said, what are you doing here? I'm like, I'm here to celebrate. She said, celebrate what? I said, graduation. She said, what are you graduating from? I said, high school. And she was like, oh, I thought you were in your, like, 30s. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> nope, I'm not in my 30s. I'm a high school student like you. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, great so, pickup line. I know. And she had a crush on someone else on that in the limo with us at the time. Oh, what, what's his name? What's his name? Is Will? I forget his last name. But Will, get yeah. bodied. Shout Will, out to if Will. You're, <laughs> if you're listening, man, you missed out. Um, <laughs> anyway, so after that night, like what really made me realize, like Jamie, like I want to pursue this girl, is we went to this really nice fancy restaurant, like fancier than I'd ever been, and. Um, and thank you, Frankie, for that, by the way. And Jamie ordered a burger and I look over and she is just like ripping this thing apart. Like she cut it into a million pieces. She's just like tearing this thing. I'm like, that's like the messiest eater I've ever seen. And she doesn't even care. Like she's dressed up real nice. She's out here and she's just, I was like, I like that. So anyway, so we ended up, um, she invited everyone over to her house afterwards. Turned out it was because she liked Will and wanted him to come. Will didn't end up coming. And so when we were there, she's like, oh, I don't know where I put my phone. I said, well, hey, let me call it. And that way you can find it. Ooh. Got her phone number, um, met her parents, met her family. I was like, oh, these people are really cool. Um, and then we started kind of like texting each other. and talk. Actually, this was back before texting. We talked on the phone. So like for two weeks, man, it was like we'd be on the phone from 11 p.m. till 5 a.m. talking and um, and then started dating. And then um, I guess... About month in, she's like, yeah, you know, because um, I was kind of thinking like, man, what am I doing? Like, she's going to be going to Mississippi State. I'm going to Lee here. Like, you know, long distance didn't sound like something I wanted to do. And she literally just like casually brought up in conversation one day. She's like, hey, so my dad and I went and checked out Lee and I'm going to go there now. And I was just like, oh, OK, well, Jamie said that. Yeah. Because um, she like she didn't tell me she was going, didn't tell me. Anything. She just went and checked it out. And like literally, I mean, she was going to be she wanted to be in. um what was she doing there? Dental. She wanted to become a dentist at the time, I think. Because her, um, her dad was, was a dentist. Yeah. Um, and so, like, she had a roommate picked out. She had everything. Like, it was going to be her best friend that she'd grown up with. Um, and then, so when I knew she made that change. I was like, okay, this is serious. And then, um, you know, but I guess a month later, I was like, we were both talking. And we we're like, you know, what? like, we want to marry each other. I think we know that. Um, and so, we could wait until after we graduate college. And that seems more responsible because I was making $9 and 50 cents an hour, um, working part-time and she was making less than me. Um, and I was just like, you know, what? like, I don't know. We just had a conversation. We're like, Hey, if we know we want to be together forever, like why postpone this for four years? Why not like start forever now? So we ended up, um, I proposed to her. I literally went and bought a, um, it was cool. Cause I was her manager at the time. So I could do her schedule. So I just like scheduled her a day that I wasn't working. Her little brother worked with us. So I like asked him to set up a time for me to go talk to her parents. Um, and then I literally, I went and I bought a ring. It was, um, well, I'll tell you how much it cost in a minute, but anyway, I bought this ring. Yeah, um, so what did the parents say? Well, so yeah, I went over there, they had dinner set up for me and everything. And the, like, I respect them so much. Like to this day, I mean, there's just, they have such a healthy marriage. They're like, just really awesome people. And 
her dad was like, you know, Hey, like we've been praying for like the right person to marry our daughter, like her whole life. And like, we feel like that's you. And, uh, because I'd spent quite a bit of time with them during that two months, but still I was like, this is two months. And then when I told my parents still about very it, two months, yeah. Yeah. I told my parents, they're like, you're not ready to get married. What is like, <laughs> they're like, heck no. Like you got a long time to go. And so the, the fact that they said, yes, I was like, okay, like we're doing this. And so then I went and proposed to Jamie um, a few years later, like she'd made comments about her ring. I was like, Jamie, how much do you think I spent on that? She's like, I don't know, a couple thousand. Like that cost me $306 for this <laughs> ring. And that was pretty much my entire bank account at the time. Yeah. Um, Where did you buy this ring? Maryville Jewelers. So uh, go see Maryville Jewelers if you'd like. Located on Washington Street, uh, 865. No, <laughs> that was an advertisement for them. Yes. Um, Another sponsor yes. of the podcast. Maryville Jewelers. For all you gym bros out there. <laughs> Trying to try to impress your honeys, you know where to go. Yeah, and honestly, they must sell really good rings because my three hundred dollar ring convinced her it was two thousand dollars. So boom, wow. Yeah, I mean, like to do that with, uh, you know, if you buy like a, I don't know how much rings cost now, but let's say you buy a ten thousand dollar ring, you'd have to get, and that would make it like a hundred thousand dollars, right? Yeah. See, and that's the other thing I loved about Jamie was like, and still do. I said past tense, but you know, she grew up kind of. Her family was really wealthy. They did a, you know did a really good job of teaching her just like financial responsibility and stuff. I was probably the opposite end of that spectrum. Um, and like, you would never know that meeting her. Like, I mean, I had worked with her for a year and a half and had no idea. Like she came from a lot of money until we went over there and just super humble and, um, and just the most unmaterialistic person you'll ever meet. Like she just didn't care about that kind of stuff. And I'm like, like, so to me, like the fact that she was like an anti gold digger, if that makes sense. Like, she like she signed up for for marrying me when I'm making nine fifty an hour, um, and like to her that was a huge step down from like the lifestyle she had like grown up in. And um, I'm like, you realize like like I don't know. I told her I wanted to own a Chick Fil A restaurant, but I'm a high school senior telling her that like, um, and so on. And honestly, the fact that like she believed in me and that like her parents were like, yeah, okay, call you alone one one day. I was like, oh, I guess I will then. <laughs> and so, um. Yeah, so it was kind of cool just, yeah, just the fact that she wasn't super materialistic and all that, and she was cool um, marrying me regardless. And so, honestly, it was probably like a couple of weeks after we got engaged, I was like, what on earth have I done? Like, how am I going to afford this? Um, yeah. But it was cool because it actually, I mean, financially worked out really well because we could both work, you know, 20 hours a week, and it was like having one person work full time. Um, plus, like, all of our scholarship like i mean it was based on our income so like we got you know a lot of grants and government funding and stuff just because we were poor and i was like okay cool that helps but yeah, yeah. So you're, you're working for chick-fil-a during all this time yep yeah so i started there when i was 15 um so like literally i started high school in august started there september 7th of 2004 so yeah uh-huh. So you, you and Jamie both went to Lee. Yes. You ended up finishing at. Well, so we, but so we went there, like I say, I was going there initially because I'd been dating somebody else who went there and, you know, we're there. Like I had my first year covered with scholarships and I was just like, this is a really expensive school and I'm not guaranteed a scholarship these next few years. And just, I mean, the town of, um, what town was it? Cleveland, Tennessee. Um, which is weird because there's a Cleveland and a Dayton, Tennessee right near each other. And we have that here in Ohio. Hmm. They're much smaller. Um, 
Yeah, so Cleveland, I mean, it was one of those towns where we had Walmart, and that was kind of the big hangout. Um, and, you know, so you go to school, go there. And I was started working for a Chick-fil-A operator there. Um, it just, But I would still drive back and work for Frankie on the weekends because, like, he, he was all about developing people. And I was the 10th person he helped become an owner-operator or work at our home office. Um, and he's helped a bunch more since then. And so I kind of knew, like, he was passionate about helping other people get where they wanted to go. And so I was still driving back like an hour and 15 minutes every weekend. And Jamie and I both were. And so we were like, you know, what? let's just like go to UT. We can get, I mean, at the end of the day, we're getting a piece of paper that says we took a bunch of classes. I don't care where it comes from. Um, it's cheaper at UT and we're closer and we can work with, you know, Frankie. So we, uh, I felt kind of bad because the Chick-fil-A had worked at there. I started there in the fall and like right before Christmas break, he demoted two people and promoted me. And then I went home on Christmas break and never came back. So I was like, sorry, dude. Um, but yeah, so we. And you guys are married at this point? Uh, no, so we got married the end of freshman year of college. Okay. So we were engaged at this point. So we moved back. I moved in with my buddy, Nathan. Um, we got an apartment together. Um, it was a really cool apartment. It was like, I think we paid $415 a month for it. Um, and oh, I'm talking on my phone. You're just telling me I was talking. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry for the listeners out there. My Apple watch was doing something funny. It's okay. We'll cut it out. That's good. Um, yeah. So I moved in with my buddy, Nathan, an apartment. Um, it, my bedroom in that apartment, I'm not even joking. I had a twin bed and three of the walls touched my bed. So the, the foot, <laughs> the head and the other wall. And then I had a filing cabinet and then the door and that was it. And then a small little closet. And then the bathroom was cool because it had like a, I don't know, it was a gap probably about, what would you say, eight inches, eight to 10 inches. So like if I'm in there in the kitchen and Nathan's sitting on the toilet, I could like see his feet and be like, oh, I guess he's still in there. So it, it was, that was kind of weird part about the apartment. Why did you have a filing cabinet? Doesn't every college student have a filing cabinet? <laughs> Not anymore. Honestly, I, I guess because I was like, hey, I'm on my own now. I got to have my important documents in here. So it's like a little... <laughs> You know, I had my, whatever, my lease for my apartment and my, um, <laughs> okay. yeah, that, I mean, that's right it. On. You have yeah. one piece of paper. Exactly. Account? Probably to start with, I had like, here's my bank account information. I here's my cabinet for my lease. Yeah. It's, it's actually funny because I, we just threw that filing cabinet out. Like, um, I took a picture of it. It was back maybe in February and I that's found my bank statement from when, um, from the February before Jamie and I got married. Um, wow. And it was like, hold on, I'll tell you. The February before you and Jamie got married? Yes. So it, we got married in May. This was February. And where is it? Um, take a picture of it. For the viewers or listeners, I'm scrolling through my documents here. <laughs> this reminds oh, here me, we, we need to break it into your safe. We do. Yes. Yeah. yeah, we totally do. Um, oh, here we go. What? So I own. Safe that me and Char are going to break into. This was February 12th, 2009. I had $340 to my name right before I got married. <laughs> I was just like, okay, this is kind of scary. Um, that is wild. Yeah. And so, yeah, I had my final cabinet. I had that receipt in it, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> A few other things. So, um, yeah. yeah. My final cabinet. Wow. But yeah, so we lived in that apartment. and I forget where this was going. Oh, so yeah. So I wanted to go to UT, but I had to have 30 credit hours before I transferred in. So... I uh, ended up going to Pellissippi State Technical Community College, which I'm sure you've all heard of, for a semester. 
Um, and in hindsight, I'm like, why didn't I go there for longer? Because it was a lot cheaper, but whatever. Um, then went to University of Tennessee. Wow. And then, so you guys are, you guys got married, getting, finishing up school. You guys get, you know, finished with school. Mm-hmm. And then you go off to Chick-fil-A to be Yep. So like I said, when I was, I kind of knew from a young age, I wanted to own a Chick-fil-A because I had, I'll back up the story again here. I guess around eighth grade time, you know, I thought either I wanted to be a youth minister or a police officer. I was like, Hey, I want to, I knew I wanted to impact people's lives, wanted to make a difference for people. Um, and very different, um, routes of doing that. Yeah. 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 What, what about, uh, what happened in eighth grade or what, what made you think I I really want to impact people's lives? Yeah, for me, it was, I had always grown up in a, um, for the listeners, I'm using air quotes, a Christian home where it was like, we went to church every Sunday, like in the South, everybody says, Oh, well, I'm a Christian. It's like, okay. It was very cultural. If that makes sense. But like we went to church every single Sunday and we did, we were very religious. We did a lot of religious things. Um, and so I'd always, you know, I don't know. I grew up, I could, I went to a Christian school, um, I knew a lot of about God, but I didn't really know God, if that makes sense. I, I didn't realize until probably eighth grade, you know, like I've really never started a personal relationship with, with Christ. And so, um, you have your hand raised or is that a stretch? Well, I'll stretch Okay, cool. Um, for the listeners, um, He's high sorry, high just, yeah, he looked like he wanted to, he looked like he was stopping me because he raised his hand. And, anyway. Hallelujah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I started, um, I just want to say, like, I've never actually started a relationship with, with God. And so um, it's kind of a key moment for me. It was right around the end of eighth grade when I was like, you know, hey, I'm actually going to start a relationship with God. And then, um, you know, there had been like a few youth ministers like who had been influential in my life and good role models. Um, you know, even police, there was somebody who I just like kind of looked up to because there have been times like I mean, we had several interactions with police growing up and just like, hey, this is a you know, but I want to be able to make a difference in people's lives and be able to, um, do kind of what people have done for me. And then, um, actually, so my friend, Daniel, who I told you about as sixth grade, who I was best friends with, his dad was a pastor, um, and a huge role model for me. Like I'd go over and spend the night at their house and just, uh, he was awesome. Cause I mean, it'd be like 10 30 at night. He's like, you guys want to get Krispy Kreme? I'm like, yeah. And that's probably why I'm a night owl now. He's like, all right, let's go. So he'd hop in the car. He actually, my first car ever was a 99 Ford Taurus that I bought from him. Um, and I literally remember one day he drove us over train tracks so fast. I'm pretty sure we got all four tires off the ground. Like oh. it, we were, I'm like, this is awesome. Like we're going out to get donuts at 10 30 at night, jumping railroad tracks. And, um, <laughs> but no, he was also responsible. Um, and so he's the one who kind of taught me into Chick-fil-A because I had started working there and he's like, Hey man, like you love your job. Like you, um, you you seem to be passionate about it. You're good at it. Um, he's like, look, like you want to, you know, you want to be a pastor. He's like, but I mean, every Christian's called to ministry, like some are full-time at church staff, but others, you know, are, it's like, Hey, we need, if you want to be in law enforcement, like you need to do that there. If you want to, you know, reach people through your business, like you're going to reach people who I would never reach in my church. And so I was like, okay, well, that's, kind of a cool way of looking at it. And so he's the one that kind of talked me into Chick-fil-A. And so then once I, I met, you know, Frankie, the operator who I worked for, the operator is what we call a um, franchisee in Chick-fil-A lingo. Um, 
but yeah, Frankie just, I mean, I saw he was another good role model for me. Just saw how he was like there for his family, how he, um, you know, was, I mean, just the most generous person I'd ever met. Like I was like, how does this guy make money? Cause he gives away more stuff than anybody I've ever seen. Um, and just saw, Hey man, he's like influencing people. So really, um, I forget where the, what the question was that brought all this up. It, uh, the question was about what made you want to help people. Oh yeah. You know? So just kind of some of those influences of people like that, mm-hmm. where, um, you know, I have been helped quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, like how that made me feel. And was like, hey, like, you know, if I can help other people feel like this, then why not? Well, and I have a side, side question. A side answer. Um, it is really cool the way you talk about the role models in your life. Um, what What is your relationship with your dad like? Yeah, so relationship with my dad, I would say it's an interesting relationship. Just family dynamic was kind of strange. Like if I, um, you know, my, basically my dad would beat my mom all the time and then my mom would beat us and that was kind of the cycle we'd be in. So it's like, okay, like, Oh, she's getting beat. That means I'm about to get beat. Like this is, um, you know, and then he'd come home and when he was smoking weed, he'd be pretty chill for a while. But then when he wasn't like, or my mom would like make him angry and they would, it was, yeah. So it was kind of this weird relationship with my dad because, um, you know, I mean, I feel like every little boy wants to look up to their dad. And so I'm like, from that aspect, like I always felt safer when he was in the house. I felt safer when he was there. But I mean, he worked like crazy growing up. And so like some of the stuff I really appreciate about him now is like, I mean, he really taught me to hustle and taught me how to work hard. So, I mean, he would be working 50 plus hour weeks. There were times he'd have two jobs. Um, I remember in the factory he um, worked in for 12 years, they closed down and moved overseas. He ended up um, going back to school to be a truck driver. And I mean, he'd be on the road for two weeks at a time. Um, and then he'd be driving a taxi on the side or he'd be working at some random warehouse job. So, um, yeah, there was that, but I mean, he typically worked third shift a lot growing up. And so that was like, I don't know, as a kid, I'm like laying in bed, like, you know, always thinking we're going to get our house broken into or something. And like, you know, your dad's not there. So, um, I didn't know where his shotgun was though. And I was like, it's Mm -hmm. like taller than me, but I'll, yeah. So anyway, um, so do you feel like you, now, like you see the way your dad has impacted you with work ethic stuff, but do you feel like he impacted you there like emotionally and growing up and stuff? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, it, it's just kind of strange because there were times where there was probably some negative things for sure. I mean, I, I remember, I mean, growing up, I remember going downstairs, I was like probably 12 years old and like maybe not even 12 younger because the house we were in. So I had to have been like eight to nine just like an early memory of like, literally he has my mom on the floor, like choking her. Um, and it's just this weird feeling. It's like, that's my dad, but that's also my mom. And so it's like this, like trying to be protective of her. Um, and so like that part was trained, but then I don't know, maybe by the time I turned like 14 or 15, there was one day, like it was about to get started again. Like I could see her, he was like about to get, get going. They're about to get fighting. And, um, I think I just kind of like looked around and realized like I'm actually bigger than him now. And so I like grabbed the fire poker by the fireplace and like wrapped it around his neck and started choking him. And I was like, I'm like, I literally almost just killed him. And so it was, that was a scary moment for me. Cause I realized like how much, um, like there was just a lot of anger and stuff built up over the years. And, um, and then realizing like, Hey, I can, like, I could do a lot of damage if I wanted to. Um, but it was kind of weird because like from that day on, like they never, like he never 
while I lived there, never did anything again, like wow. physical to her. I think because he kind of realized like, OK, yeah, I should check myself here. Um, mm. And so like that was a it's, it's just weird because, like I say, you take some random stranger, they come in and they hit your mom. You're like, OK, like I'm going to take you out. It's your dad. It's like, oh, yeah, I could take it. But also you're my dad. So there's that that weird part. And so I would say it's our relationship has definitely over the years gotten a lot better. Um, I mean, I've prayed for my dad a ton over the last several years. And and like one of the things I pray about him is like, hey, like, God, just please help him to finish his life strong. Like I know, like maybe he hasn't had the best start and there's been some rough patches. But I think another consistent theme I see through him over the years is this like. With both my parents, honestly, like they had really rough, like I had a pretty rough upbringing. They had it far worse than I did. And like, they like knew they weren't good. And they're like, or like, like they knew their shortcomings. They're like, Hey, like we're trying to like, not be like our parents. We're trying to do this. And so like, I mean, I remember like my dad was a really big alcoholic for a long time. And, um, at one point, I don't remember how old I was, but I just remember saying, you know what? Like I'm never drinking a beer again. This is my last one. And there was probably a, 15 year stretch there where he didn't drink anything. Um, and that like kind of changed how he parented and, you know, um, you can make better decisions when you're not intoxicated most of the time. And so he was a better dad during that stretch of time and more motivated. And, um, so like I respected the fact that he was always trying to be better and like trying not to be as bad as his parents. And, um, I mean, you back up the family tree, there's some crazy stuff there. And, and like, you look at my dad compared to the rest of his family and he's like, wow, he's just awesome. And so I appreciated that about him. Um, same thing with my mom. It was like, there was just some, you know, stuff where it's like, okay, yeah, this probably is not the ideal way to grow up, but I can tell she's trying. And so I think that's what always gave me a little bit of, um, I don't know, like more grace with them. It's like, okay, you know what? They're like, it would be one of those things where like, you know, one minute you're getting your hair pulled, spit on, kicked on the floor and stuff. And the next minute it's like, Hey, I love you. I'm like, okay, well that didn't seem like it a few minutes ago. <laughs> I don't, but I don't know. So there was kind of just that whole, yeah. I don't know. Mm. How do you think your interactions with your parents and your relationship with them as a child influenced, uh, how do you, how do you see those things impacting you today? Like yeah, you're a parent now. Sure. Like apparently what? You are a parent. Apparently what? Sorry. A, for all <laughs> the listeners at home, that's a joke. Sorry, this is where you should have hit the soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I don't> know. <laughs> that would have been like that. But I'm, yeah. So no, how has it impacted me as a parent? Um I would say kind of a just a mindset I've had my whole life is trying to learn from other people's mistakes. And so for me, I, I mean, I remember so many things as a kid, just thinking like, you know what? Like, I hate this. I'm never doing this to my kids. Like, um, or like looking at my parents' marriage, like, you know, I, I just remember thinking as a kid, like, I don't know what this is supposed to look like, but I know it's not this. And so for me, it was kind of like, I can cross this off my list. This is not a way I'm going to parent. This is, you know, not how I'm going to treat my wife one day. This is, um, cause it was kind of like, Hey, that's not getting the desired result. Um, and so at the same time, but I feel like I just kind of learned to say, Hey, even if I can't learn good things from this person right now, I can learn what not to do. And that just made me feel like I was making progress. Um, and then, um, I think that also just made it easier to kind of appreciate the areas they were trying, but so how's that affect me as a parent today? 
I think the cool thing about growing up the way I did is like, I know what it's like to be hurt emotionally. I know what it's like to be hurt physically. I mean, literally like not just my family, I mean, every type of abuse you can imagine, like even the, you know, the, the real rough ones, like I've experienced that. And like, um, so kind of having experiences like, Hey, like I don't want anyone else to feel like that. It's time to register for class tomorrow. So three thirty one fills up quickly. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, so I think for me, it's kind of that, like just knowing I don't want anyone else to have to experience what I did. Yeah. Um, and so the cool thing about that is like just the freedom it gives me of, Hey, like I get to be a huge part of creating what my kids grow up to be. What, like, you know, I, I get to show them what a good marriage looks like. I get to show them like what it's like to parent and teach them. And, um, so you, you ever watch the office, you know, and Dwight says, sometimes I, ask myself, would a stupid person do this? And if they do, I don't do that thing. And I'm like, okay, so it's okay. <laughs> same, same concept. I'm not saying my family's stupid, just saying like, Hey, that wasn't working there. So I'm just not going to do that. And yeah. Um, yeah. But I think there's also the cool thing is, I mean, I feel like, you know, God put a lot of people in my life growing up where it was like, I, I could have easily been like, Oh man, like I've just got all this, you know, horrible things at home and stuff. And could have easily been looking back and being like, well, I'm just in this horrible spot now. And it's like, well, no, God like gave me this person in my life. Like Daniel's dad, he gave me Frankie at work. He gave me Mr. Perkins, Dr. Core at school. He gave like all these like cool people that could be examples for me. Um, and that's the other thing I think is cool and how it's affected me, not even as a parent, but just like as a business owner, as a neighbor, as a friend, it's just like um, realizing the reality that like not every dad fills the role they should. Um and so I think part of my responsibility as a man is to help, you know, stick up for the vulnerable, stick up for people who can't. Like, I don't know. I think, honestly, probably a huge reason I'm a Tennessee Titans and a Vols fan is because like, I just I feel for the underdog. Like, that's my thing. Like, um, like, I just I think that's a part of who I am now as a result of growing up the way I did is, um, you know, I, like, I love to see an underdog story. Yeah. So. It's also how I like just get by being a Titans fan. <laughs> Rationalize it however you need to. Yes. No, I, I think what what you said specifically about how you had so many role models in your life. I, man, I that's such a huge piece, I think, for any young adult or kid or even just an adult now. It's like we need someone to look up to. Someone a few years ahead of us, a few different seasons of like of life ahead of us. Sure. That we can learn from. And and as you start talking about some of those people in your life, it, it kind of reminded me of like my life a little bit. Like mm-hmm. my my um I guess it's a plug for our podcast. Go check out my podcast episode. <laughs> wow. Uh, but like pretty self-serving. I, okay. I did I didn't want to take up a bunch of Wayland's time, but no, it's good. take it out. <laughs> like some of the stuff that I had, like like I can, I can slightly relate with some of that stuff. And mm-hmm. it, it, it was just tough. Cause it was like, man, I, I don't feel like I have a dad to look up to, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, there are some things I, I look for my dad. I'm like, my dad taught me work ethic drive for sure. Um, but there's some things I'm like, Oh, I know for a fact, I'm not doing what my dad did, you know? Yeah. But man, it is truly incredible. Like I feel like a lot of the person I am today is because, of the role models I've had. Yeah. 
you know, and, and I think that's the biggest thing for, for most young adults, um, or even just guys, like we need to have older people in our life. Yeah. And I think that's a huge thing that's missing just now, like mm-hmm. in, in my generation, like we have, you know, a lack of men stepping up to fill that role. Yeah. So, yeah. and yeah, I think, I don't know how many elderly men there are listening to this podcast right now or, or Ryan, you listening? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think the cool thing that I would say though is like, it's not too late. Like to me, honestly, the cool part about my dad's story is like, I mean, this, this, uh, even really the last year, like I've just seen him change and grow and, and, um, in areas that I had never seen before. Um, and it's like, to me, like, it's not how it, the cliche quote of it's not how you start. It's how you finish the race. And it's like, you know, if like finishing strong can all, not, it's not going to cover up anything that happened in the past, but it's like, I mean, this is today. Like, I mean, we can dwell on the past all we want, but if, you know, if it took him 70 something years to figure this out, then okay. Hey, like that's cool. You figured it out. Um, and not saying he's perfect by any means now, but just like, it's cool to see that even at this age, he's still like, Hey, like I know I can get a little better and I know I can try to make up for some of this stuff. But. That's the mind blowing thing for me. Cause it's Grace and I did some premarital counseling and this older couple that was helping us out was like, they're in their sixties and they're like, yeah, we're still trying to figure it out. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like you guys are old. Yeah. Like you should have this figured out. But then it's like, no, like they're, they're still learning. Yeah. I was talking to my boss last week. Um, and he was Grace. Um, Grace just got a condo and just moved in, and um, and he's like, "Oh, did that feel like an adult moment?" I was like, "Yeah, it did feel like an adult moment." He's like, "Yeah, I, I still feel like those adult moments. I still don't feel like an adult, but I I feel like I have those adult moments." Yeah, you know, and it's like, wow, like we're still learning and growing and yeah. trying to figure this thing out. So yeah, no, that's cool. And going back to just you know role models and you know. One, if you've known me long enough, you'll hear me talk about a guy named Doug Frank, who, I mean, has, he's been discipling me. And that's probably a weird churchy sounding word. If you're not used to church, maybe name, like but, a mentor, I mean, literally the word disciple means learner. And so like, he's been helping teach me and just kind of like this coming alongside of me. And, and really it's, you know, sort of, we met through church gosh, back in 2015, like a year after we moved to Columbus and, um, and we grabbed coffee a few times. I mean, he was, um, we both were into motorcycles and all this stuff. And he's like, yeah, Hey, how would you feel if I discipled you? And I'm like, that sounds like the weirdest thing anybody's ever said to me. What does that mean? <laughs> and so he's like, well, like literally, I'm just going to be intentional about your spiritual growth, your, you know, your growth. And I'm like, okay, this guy's who I want to be when I grow up. He's, you know, Doug's now he's probably 67 right now, I think. Um, and I'm just like, Hey, like when I get to that age, like that's the marriage I want. Like I want to be treating people the way that he treats people. Um, I want to like, like I want to be that when I grow up. So, I mean, literally since 2015, like we've gotten together once a week, once every other week to, I mean, we're, you know, studying Bible together. We're praying together. We're just doing like, we took a motorcycle trip to Colorado together. We're doing stuff. Um, and it's been really cool to like, I mean, I mean, to have this father figure in my life. Um, and it's just interesting kind of like, I mean, like, the way that one God put him in my life and two, he stood up and and he's done that. He's taken that responsibility on. Um, and then even just this last, so in January, um, I got a call or a text message. I was sitting at home. It's like, Hey, 
Doug was on his bike and got hit and he's going to Riverside and he's in the, um, going into surgery now. And like instantly I'm like, okay, he's dead. Like, um, you know, go back to my friend, Daniel, his dad passed away in a car accident. My freshman year of, um, high school, it was like almost that exact type of feeling. And so I go down Daniel's dad died. Yep. So he, he passed away when I was a freshman. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of a big moment growing up. And, um, and so now I'm like, literally, I just remember it was weird because I was talking to Jamie about Daniel's dad and that whole situation, how like I was in the hospital with him next to him when he found out that his dad died, like the doctor came, I was like, Hey man, we tried all we could. And just how that was a, just one of those moments I'll never forget. And so then literally get this text the day after we were just talking about that. And, um, so I go down to Riverside and he had been riding, it was not his motorcycle. He was on his bicycle and a guy blew a stop sign, in a like work truck with a big push bar in the front, hit him. Um, it broke his leg in multiple spots, shattered his pelvis, um, messed up his vertebrae, broke a few ribs, messed up his shoulder. He was in the ICU for a week. He was, uh, in the hospital for like over a month, maybe then a rehab hospital. Then he had a hospital bed in his house. And now he's like on, on a uh, walker. I mean, he's slowly getting back and, and recovering now. And actually he just had another surgery on his leg. What is today? Tuesday. So yesterday. Um, and all this to say, like just seeing how he has handled this situation is like, it's, it's crazy. Like, I mean, he's, um, you know, this guy who hit him didn't have his driver, didn't have a driver's license. They couldn't find him in anything. And like, Doug's like, you know, Hey, I'm just praying like this will help him like somehow in his life. Like I don't, and I'm like, okay, I'd be thinking, how do I get this guy thrown in jail or something? And, um, and just seeing the way he's responded to that or like he's in the hospital and he's sitting there. I mean, he's the best listener you'll ever meet. And he's got like all these doctors and nurses working on him and he's like trying to find out their stories and where they're from. And, um, so I don't know, it's just been kind of cool having like this role model and looking up to him like that. So, wow. What's his name? Doug Frank. Doug Frank. Shout out to Doug Frank. Yeah. I mean, literally, he's like in his wheelchair in his house, like having guys over mentoring him at it. Like, it's just it's cool. So, mm. shout out to Doug. That was a long side question. It was. Um, does Does this podcast have the ability to pause while I go pee? Yeah, yeah. audience, we'll be back. Okay, so we're back. Audience, we're back. We've established over break that Wayland does not drink caffeine. Oh, I have started recently drinking tea that does have caffeine. Okay. Waylon drinks minimal amounts of caffeine mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, minimal amounts of carbonation. I hate carbonation. Burns my throat. Mm-hmm. And and oh. Luke and Waylon bonded over that. I like water and I like milk. Literally, I Skim love milk. carbonation. Okay. Skim milk. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's I don't like that, but yeah, I'm fine. Like, if you get a, like... A super strong bubbly seltzer, Ugh. like a like a Perrier, and you open it up, and you just I love to open it up and just chug it, so that way oh. it's just so strong and Burn, bubbly. No, you know what I like to do? Me. I like to open it, leave it in the car for four hours, and then drink it after it's flat. That's gross. disgusting. That's gross. That is weird. It's like do you melt your popsicles and drink them? Yeah. Okay. It's like chocolate so, milk. Consistent. I like chocolate milk. Wayland, it's melted ice cream. You're in Westerville, Ohio. Uh, for now. the listeners here, Shar's looking at Luke like he wants him to stop talking. So You're I just feel like they need to. They need to know. They got to keep it in the know. Continue. Oh, Luke's looking. And at now me. Luke's looking like, uh, was he doing that? He's looking at me. Don't look at me. Now there's a lot of tension in here for the listeners. <laughs> You're looking at me. I'm looking at you. <laughs> Waylon. Yes. You're currently in Westerville, Ohio. Uh, How did yes. you get here from 
Tennessee. Uh, we had like a, it was a budget truck. It was, I think it was a stop. 2014. Stop Freight Line. right oh. now. And sorry, stop being too literal. Oh, okay. Sorry. Thank you. Um, I like to be literal. Um, I got here. Um, yeah. So we talked a little bit about college and everything. Chick-fil-A is a big part of our story. Um, started at one working when I was 15 years old, did that for all of high school, all of college. Um, and then graduated from University of Tennessee in May of 2012. And then in July 2nd of 2012, I started a job with our corporate office in field operations. So we traveled around the country and we would basically temporarily run restaurants between owners. So my first assignment um, after a month of training in Atlanta, we got sent to Lawton, Oklahoma. Mm. Um, yeah, because so there was a guy who owned a couple Chick Fil A's there, and he passed away. So we were there temporarily. Well, yeah, it's not as fun anymore, is it? Um, while we were, um, sorry, was, Luke was making faces at me again for all the listeners. I always look at the microphone. That's <laughs> it, sweet mark. I'm mesmerized. This is a side note. I feel like you need a picture of just maybe a faceless person here so that we think the audience is in the room too and we don't forget uh, about them just a thought i have so much to say okay. because that would be three plus one plus the audience aka five aka the pentagon audience check out the first episode you'll see what i'm oh, talking no, about get bodied all right anyway um so uh, i like where you're going with that so anyway um yeah we traveled around in 18 months jamie and i lived in 10 different cities so it was really fun so we were in Atlanta, Oklahoma, all over Florida, um, Colorado, Tennessee. I forget where else. we, I don't know. It was a lot of movie, but we, we literally sold everything we owned, um, except for our clothes, some personal items that we stored at our parents' house, um, and rented out our house. And yeah, we were just kind of moving everywhere. And, you know, we'd be in Florida and they'd call and be like, Hey, next week you're going to Colorado. And so, we'd be like, okay. And we'd lived in hotels or corporate housing and really fun time. I mean, we were kind of moving all over the place, did that. And that program kind of helped us get some business results in my own name versus, you know, I had worked for Frankie for a long time, but, um, now this is kind of, Hey, like this is the business I'm running right now. And so did that. And then in 2014, we ended up, um, interviewing to actually be a franchise owner and got the one in Hilliard, Ohio. And we were there for four and a half years. And then 2019, the guy who owned the freestanding restaurant up in Polaris before me, he moved out to Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. So we um, left Hilliard, moved up here. And then we've been in, um, and we took over the mall as a second restaurant back in 2021. You have the mall one over in Polaris. Mm -hmm. Oh, no way. Yeah. Which one do you like better? Oh man, it depends on what for. I, like, there's nothing like a mall like atmosphere. I just love it. Like, especially at Christmas time, you're walking. There's just oh. so many people there. It's the music, the smells. Like, I love to just walk past Christmas know. time mall. Was like, mm. oh, it's so good. It is. <laughs> Looks so. like uh, I'm gonna follow up right now. <laughs> Luke said that's gonna be my next step. I, I so my daughter and I go uh, on dates at the really? uh, mall to get Chick Fil A oh. and Bubbles around the corner. Yep, dude, Bubbles, yeah, Bubbles. yeah. And there's just like the whole kind of mall community there. You know, <laughs> the people that work in the mall. You got the mall walkers. You got the different groups that come in all the time. It's just the mall is such an interesting place. It is fun. It's such an interesting place. I hate yeah, the mall. I love it. It's just such a hodgepodge of people. 
Yeah. It's so good. That's there the are people there, there on the regular. If there's m- like normal amount of people, I say this because sometimes we went one night and it was a Thursday and it was, it was like early in the night. There's nobody there. But most of the time when people are there, I look at people wearing things and I just think, yeah, huh, like that's, Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand. Oh, you'll see some strange outfits there that you typically wouldn't see in a normal yeah. human attraction. But Yeah. <gasps> when, I mean, some, some some I get. I'm like, oh, no, I totally understand. Like, Honestly, I'm one of them because yeah? at one, this was, I don't know, maybe in January, I was asking all my leaders, like, hey, how can I support you? Like, what can I do different this year for you? And so James and Ella, shout out to them. Um, shout if they're out. listening, I hope they are. Um, so they really helped run them all for me and they said, Hey, like we would really love for you to be a secret shopper at the restaurant and just tell us your experience. Undercover boss. Yeah. Let's go. And yeah. So I, like, I said, well, how am I going to do that? Cause hopefully people will recognize me. And they were like, well, that's your job to figure out. And I said, okay, I'll take that challenge. Yeah. So fortunately I had my wig from when I dressed up as Alex majors for, um, Halloween. Ah. And then I also fortunately had a hoodie <laughs> that was nothing but a hundred dollar bills. I bought on Amazon for 20 bucks, which okay. is ironic. And, um, I put that on, I put on an old COVID mask over my face. Yep. I walked into the mall and I, um, mumbled my order so they wouldn't hear my voice. And then no one recognized me at all. And I got my order. I have a picture of it. I'll show you listeners. Um, Please check out our Instagram. Someone will describe it. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. Uh, let's see. I've got to search for it for just a second here. I'm looking at pictures. Um, How was the experience? Uh, there was a little bit left to be desired, but it was, it was ultimately <laughs> good. This is my wig. Oh, I had on Bro, what is your... Too. That's my $100 bill hoodie, if you can see it there. Oh, that's me and Adam. <laughs> uh, so shout out to Adam. CBO. That's also Adam and I. I in the same so, bed. Well, anyway. Yeah. Wow. The life is a Chick-fil-A owner. Uh, do we, I, I feel like we've gotten so much about your life. I feel like there's so many different, there's more questions to ask. When did you have your first kid? Um, August 4th, 2014. Cade, Robert, Cade Willoughby. I call him Bobby Boy, Bob. Was he was he with you guys when you guys were traveling all around the world? Uh, for a while, he was in Jamie's stomach. Oh, wow. Well, hopefully not <laughs> her stomach. That's it works. Yeah. Well, I mean, the all that stuff's like in the stomach. So during the whole, like, uh, you guys are traveling yes. around the States, like. Yeah. So Jamie got pregnant in November of 2013, and we exited the program in March of 2014. So she was basically going through all of her morning sickness and just pain and uncomfortability while living in random cities and traveling. Wow. That's brutal. Good distraction. Yeah. She literally was, I've said literally way too many times. Can you edit some of them out? No. Um, I'll, I'm going to give you a list of other words real fast. Um, extremely. I'm serious. And then you can just take these and cut them. Yeah. I'll have her team. We'll do that in a minute. Thank you. What is that? Uh, the chat GBT. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Anyway, Jamie, when we first took over the restaurant in Hilliard, we took over May of 2014. August was when we had Cade. I mean, up until probably the two days before she had him, she's working in the kitchen, making sandwiches. I mean, her, you know, pregnant as can be. It was a uh, pretty intense, very hard worker. Does Jamie still do stuff for Chick-fil-A? Uh, once she had Cade, she kind of backed off and she's been, you know, primarily managing the house, taking care of the kids. Um, she substitutes now at Cade's school. Wow. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, she 
I could not do her job. Hmm. Is there anything else we want to um, want to ask Waylon? And you moved from Hilliard, Ohio, in April 2016 to Westerville. No, I moved to Westerville in um, 2019. 2019. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been asking. I forgot to ask you last time. I think, but um, love languages. All of them. What's the most uh, one that you? <laughs> I will take all okay. of them. What, please, what thank love you. language do you identify as? Um, so physical touch is definitely like the top by far. Physical um, touch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good to know. Yeah. What is what is your, what is your uh, audience? I, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable now. So sorry. Tighten up, baby. Audience. Yes, Next no. time you see Waylon, you touch him. Tighten up. Thank you. Tighten up. Yeah. <laughs> I, no, baby. Yeah, I'm I'm the one out of That's time. the proper that's the proper usage of that. That's right. No, hey, I'm doling out high fives left and right at a game. That's physical touch. Boom, boom, boom. Um anyway. Uh yeah, so physical touch. I'm trying to get us back on track here. Is Okay. Number one. Yeah, that's my number one. I feel like I like to receive it differently than I like to Oh, so don't share touch love. you. No, no, no. I, I no, I like to be touched and I like to this is <laughs> go back to the beginning where I said some things I say could be um, disclaimer. Yeah, no, I like to give gifts a lot. Um, I like words of affirmation. You do. You gave me for Christmas. You gave me a giant box of titty food. Of what? Oh titty my gosh, Luke! It was applesauce. Yeah, in a little pouch, titty food. I'm gonna need a explanation on why you're calling it that. Well, because Alicia Scanlon said it looks like a. Like yourself, you know. Audience, oh for the record, I gave him a box of applesauce. So <laughs> I don't know where where that's, that's coming yeah, from. That's what it's called now, too. Do you like it? Are you okay? Oh, it's gone now. So obviously... You, you threw it out. Oh, it, was, it was great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. I do have one question before we segue into... Hold on. We didn't, peeves. No, we're not done with this question. Oh, okay, go ahead. I asked him what one was his least. Oh, least? Oh, gosh. See, that's hard. Because I like them all. Um, least to give is probably acts of service because that requires the most selflessness um, for me. And I'm not a very, that's something I'm trying to work on. Um, receiving, uh, physical touch, acts of service, gifts, words of affirmation. Time, words of, um, maybe, I don't know, maybe words of affirmation if I don't, if it doesn't match up with the action. But maybe quality time. I don't know. It's too hard. I like them all. Because I feel like if I say that, people are going to be like, okay, I don't have to do that one for him. And <laughs> I, I want people to love me. He wants all of them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, do you have a season of life that wasn't pretty challenging for you? Spring. Hmm. Spring time. Of, of every year or of... <laughs> Just- Oh, he said season. season. So. There's that little uh, Waylon again. Yep. Um, no, no. That's every time I hear something, I just think of it literally first. Um, you just said it again. Oh gosh, I did. <laughs> just <laughs> in a different way, though. Doesn't matter. Well, yeah, it was you a different. Think I of it still, literally. Yes, I'm not going to say it anymore. Um, season of life. I've thought about this question because you texted me, and, and say the question one more time. Do you have like a hardest season, season life. of life? Most difficult. Yeah, there was. A lot of them, and it would be really hard to rank which one was the mm. most difficult, if that makes sense. Really? Because, number one, 
it's just, I mean, I don't like what ranking system am I getting? This one was eight difficult units and this one was nine difficult units. I don't know what unit of measurement I would use. Um, and also, I feel like I'm naturally optimistic. And so when I look back on negative times, I'm like, that sucked, but here's what came out of it. And so then it's like, well, gosh, so if I didn't experience that, would this have happened? Or if this didn't happen, would this have happened? And so that makes it also difficult for me to do it. But so maybe I'll just give you a list of some difficult seasons. Maybe maybe yeah. we change the question into the most challenging season. Once again, there's like, there's what's most physically challenging or the most mentally, emotionally, relationally. Like there's different... That's why I have a hard time with the question, if that makes sense. I think the list will give us some insight. Wow, this this is like a new, like, this is a new thing. I like that. Hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's difficult to just say that was the one. No, go go ahead. Uh, Okay, so, I mean, there were definitely some things in childhood that were rough, just, you know, from the, um, a lot of the stuff that we already talked about, we don't have to get super much into again. Um, You know, I think... As we got to like middle school, there was that just hey, like not feeling like I really fit in places. Um, you know, I got to college. I mean, Jamie and I, our first year of marriage, she will tell you, was like I was horrible to live with, and so probably wasn't mm-hmm. the best husband. And um, you know, so that happened, and then um, you know, I mean, we had Kate, and it was awesome. And I mean, I. I was just like, you know, I don't want to have kids for probably another five years. We had a good thing going. And now I'm like, I'm really glad we did. And I, I mean, I love my kids a ton, but I mean, it was, you know, when you're not getting sleep at all, when we were traveling on the road, there was like a four month phase where most of our assignments, we were with other people with Chick-fil-A doing the same job. And so it was really cool. But there was this like four months we were in Naples, Florida, and which sounds like awesome because that's where people go to retire. But I mean, we were just living in a city where everyone around us was on vacation all the time or they were just snowbirds down there. Mm. Um, we're, and we're living in a hotel where, so there's like nobody, like we didn't have community there. It was just Jamie and I. Um, we were, it was kind of the point where I was starting to apply for restaurants and kind of like, hey, like I need to be getting out of this program now. It's been great. Um, and we're just like at the southern tip of Florida. And it was just, honest. So that was kind of a, you know, it almost felt lonely, even though there's the two of us there. We were just like, hey, it's kind of just us. Um, probably one of the most stressful times of my life. So we rented our house out while we were on the road. Then we moved to Columbus. I just took over my restaurant. I mean, I'm working 16-hour days. I was, you know, doing everything in the restaurant. And then I had, we had these two people from our church had rented our house for two years, and they were amazing. But they bought a house, so then... I just randomly picked a couple off Craigslist to rent my house in Tennessee, which was the most oh, horrible no. decision of my life. <laughs> and they paid the first two months rent up front, which was awesome. Um, Steve Norris was his name, and his wife's name, according to him, was Sandra Bullock. And it wasn't the Sandra Bullock, but you guys are, <laughs> you guys are listening. Um, I forgive you, but you gave me a stressful few months. So they Shout paid Sandra Bullock. <laughs> yes, they paid the first two months and then never paid again. And. I like, I don't know, after two months, I'm like, hey, man, like, just wondering if you're going to pay. And he goes, you are just a money-hungry, evil, like, whatever. And I was like, money? I mean, it's just like you've agreed to pay rent and you haven't. And he's like, dude, like, get off my back. Like, why are you always just hounding us about money? There's more stuff to life than that. And I was like, I mean, Steve, like, you just you owe us rent. And then he's like, I power washed the whole deck and you didn't even give me a thank you. And I was like, 
did I ask you to do that? And then he was like, it was really weird. And then eventually like I had to evict him and it was just like, I'm imagining that he's like, like one, I feel like I feel bad kicking somebody out of the house, but after six months of him not paying, I'm like, I would probably like be able to pay for the house before he gets foreclosed or something. And, um, and it was just, oh, that was a really stressful time. And I was just thinking the whole house was going to have like concrete in the toilets and everything when I took over. But, um, I mean, I was like actually losing sleep over that. That was rough. Um, yeah. I don't know. So there's just been like a lot of times. Like, so it's like if I ranked those, which one was worse? I don't know. I think, um, but honestly, if I had to think like the, probably the most consistent thing of rough things is like all boils down to there's like, a person I care about who is maybe making decisions that aren't the best for them, but I realize I can't make decisions for them. So whether it's one of my siblings or my parents, or uh, I mean, even yeah. people that have worked for me and it's like sitting back and like watching someone do something you think is going to ruin their life. And like, you know, I try to give input influence however I can, but um, that to me is like what, will like literally keep me, Oh, I said it again. That's what will actually keep me up at night. Um, <laughs> and yeah. So any difficult time has typically been that where it's kind of out of my control. Someone's just doing something where I'm like, Oh, that's not going to end well for you. Um, yeah. It's funny. What you said gives you a, like your hardest season of life is what breaks a heart of a mentor. Mm -hmm. And it, it's crazy to see that that is who you are. Like you've been mentored to and you just want to mentor others. And that's what breaks yeah. your heart. So, yeah. Well, hmm. Push peef. Push your peef. I made a list. Yes. Luke, what's been pushing your peef this week? Anything from the weekend? Luke? Yeah. Anything from the semifinals weekend that pushed yeah. your pee? Uh, well, let's hear about it. Yep. So, uh, I'm actually really excited about this one. Ooh. So, uh, this is kind of a conversation topic all weekend about, uh, you know, particular athlete not really performing to her abilities. I know I'm going to do this. What's her name? Hold on, let me think. <laughs> let me think. Oh, Brooke Wells. Ms. Wells is my pet peeve. Brooke Wells. Pet peeve. Wasn't she hurt or something? No. She just had a bad attitude. Didn't she Sean Woodland... Card? Sean Woodland said something that was wrong with her inky. Or something. Okay, the commentators oh, are terrible. Her inky. Is that like a pinky? Her ink. Ankle. Yeah. Gotcha. An anky. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was trying to say pinky, and I was like, is that no, like a pinky No, it's actually not Wells. Okay. But the, <laughs> uh, I, I I don't really like her, but um, yeah. see that that's like that's a good dark term. No, it's not. Yeah, you know, once we start to you know put people as our, our <laughs> no our pet peeve. So Look, I don't know who you are, but I I, I don't have anything against you. Just so you know, <laughs> no, it's not for close. But from this weekend, so we've been in CrossFit. I mean, I've been CrossFit for six years ish, almost seven now. You do CrossFit. Yeah, I know. So I was, listening. I, I was listening to one of your podcasts previously. I know. I don't even. I know. Yeah, I don't look like it. But uh, audience, that was a throwback to a former podcast. <laughs> I forget which one, but um, but I was just like with with how 
the 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 image that CrossFit wants to put forth of what they're doing, like how it's such a sport and everything. And, you know, we go and, you know, there's a bunch of us there supporting Alex and the, some lady came up to Mike and Katie and was like, Hey, like I, we want to write a story about you and the majors mafia because like you guys are really cool. And like, we were really cool. And, but like to, to see that and then for, for all of the, it's like this duplicitous type of, uh, what does that mean? Hip hop. Okay. Yeah. Kind of like, like two faced where it's like they're, they, all of these things they wrote about in like their, their analysis and all everything about the, uh, semifinals, East semifinals was like, yeah, and this was great, and this was great, and this was great, and this was great. And then they, like, totally ignored all of the controversies about judging. They ignored the stuff about, you know, Noble not being there. They ignored, they ignored like, just, like, completely disregarded everything instead of, like... So you wish people had been judged more? No, I wish people... I wish they had been judged correctly. I thought we weren't supposed to judge. In a sport that requires judges, you have to judge. And you're not judging people, you're judging movements. Sounds duplicitous. It's not. Okay. I was, I'm just really, really, really put off by CrossFit being clearly a mess and they're not addressing the mess that they are Mm. and trying to shove it under the rug. And that kind of like falls in line with a lot of my, what did I look for? This is, I, I just look. It falls in line with like the whole deceit thing. How deceit is like the thing I hate most. It's like stop shoving things under the rug. Let's bring it to light. Let's like address things. Maybe some ownership. Yeah, responsibility. responsibility. Like CrossFit. I don't know who you are that he keeps referring to, but I don't have anything against you. Just, <laughs> sorry, I have to say this. I think I think the look was for that that typically pet peeves are irrational um, hatred that boils up over. And I think that that actually is a. Uh, it's valid, yeah. That's a, that's a legit, and, and it's not so it's much. It's a real like, one uh, this time, okay? I, it's, it's a real one. Well, sometimes I, I feel like uh, pet peeves are kind of like phobias in that they're, at, at their heart, irrational and uh, you can't do anything about them. Yeah, whatever word fits there about, you know, you, you, it's just, it happens. <laughs> but this is something that where you're talking through the, the f- frustration of, how they're representing could could you have honesty in an organization to represent the positives and the challenges all at the same time whereas this is just representing themselves as uh only positive and for people that weren't there yeah mm-hmm. oh. sorry it's not funny but it is what my pet peeve no. well i didn't make you laugh I'm excited to hear all about your list. All right. Yeah, I made a list of them here. What's pushing your peeve? And I'd like to start by saying, before I sound like a whiny baby. Disclaimer. That most of my pet peeves, but don't look at me like that. I mean, okay, you did something. Quit like babe. Yes. Um, most of my pet peeves are typically either something that I'm trying to work on that I see in other people. And so it's like, hey, I'm fixing this. Why haven't you fixed it? Yeah. So, uh, or it's something I'm just not good at. So. I don't want to make other people feel stupid for doing it. That's it's like, yeah. you know, like Dwight in the office when somebody... Why do you have to rationalize this? Slacklining, and he said, 
I'd be embarrassed to be good at that. That's kind of how I am sometimes. Anyway, I'll start with, I figured I would do two CrossFit themed ones. Yeah. Um, one, here's the deal. <laughs> I've said this one before to a lot of people. I'm going to take this one to my grave. Sports are more interesting to watch on TV when they have defense. <laughs> yeah, I because if you don't have the ability to like, it's like, I don't know when I'm just watching somebody do their thing. Like I've always grown up where if you're in a gym and you're watching someone else, that's creepy. And here you watch someone work out and people are like, Oh yeah, you should do that. So like that's taking a lot of getting used to, but like imagine the CrossFit games, like if you're doing your ring complex or something and you can choose either a, I'm going to do mine fast or B I'm going to go pull this dude off while he's trying like rip him off of the rings while he's trying to do it. Or it's like, hey, that's a recipe you, for injury. You each have to like you're doing kettlebell swings, or you can throw your kettlebell swing at the other person. Like <laughs> now we're talking. This would I would watch it more. anyway. That's but when there's no defense, it's like okay, I have no ability to control. It the sounds other like person. CrossFit mixed with like wipeout. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah, gladiator. Yes. That's, that's or American gladiators. That's yeah, exactly yeah. why I love watching. All three of those things in I, mind. I think though, I I, I was on board. Until you give the example for the ring complex, <laughs> a weighted ring complex in and of itself is dangerous. Yeah, and then you add another like combat component to it. Yes, yeah, that I, I think you would be ripping all kind. I mean, it would be is very dangerous. But think of the viewers you would have for that. <laughs> you I'm would only saying. have a sport for so like six months. I know, yes. I know you. I know you run a business. Mm-hmm. I'm just not really seeing where that goes business wise. Hey, oh my part gosh, of business could, is brainstorming. Okay? Yeah, you would have so many more viewers, and then you can pay out. You know, advertise. It's it's. You wouldn't have viewers because people wouldn't participate. I would. Hmm. I would lose, and I'd get injured really quickly. Anyway, <laughs> all right. Um, the other thing is just the scheduling of the game. I was trying to watch Alex, and I had to like scroll through a four hour YouTube video. There's. I just, when does Alex perform? That's all I wanted to know so I could watch him. Yeah. And, you know, if I want to know when the Titans play, I pull up my NFL app. It says, boom, September 9th or 10th, they play at 1 p.m. and it's going to be on CBS. Okay, I know when and how to watch. CrossFit, it's like, hey, you got to figure out five puzzles and text eight people to figure out when you can watch them. That's, those are my CrossFit You're ones. welcome for texting all of that while I to watch. Yeah, I do. Felt bad for you, By there, but not really. All right, those are my CrossFit-themed <laughs> ones I did specifically for this. Um, next, this is my biggest one that I complain about the most. So let me take a sip of water here. I mentioned that we lived in 10 cities in 18 months. And here's the conversation I had a hundred times in every city. I'd go to Lawton, Oklahoma, and they're like, oh, you know what? It's cold out today. It's going to be warm tomorrow. That's that Lawton, Oklahoma weather. I'm like, okay. And I go to Columbia, Tennessee. They're like, oh, it's cold today. It's going to be warm tomorrow. That's that Columbia, Tennessee weather. I go to Southern Florida, like, oh, it's raining now. It's not tomorrow. It's that Florida weather. I'm like, I'm beginning to think this is just weather. Like, can we just say weather changes? Or you hear people, they're like, oh, man, you don't like the weather in Ohio? Wait an hour. It'll change. I'm like, it's it's the same everywhere. Like, weather changes. So people just want to feel unique in, like, their weather in their state or city. Um, Audience, uh, Waylon is getting a... Clearly agitated. Yeah, I'm pretty ticked <laughs> off right now. I throw something. Just like, uh, can I object to a pet peeve? Is that is that sure? A, you object to all mine. That's true. You think your you think your weather's special? No, I, I, there's there are places that have a much more consistent, like San Diego. Okay, right? where you lived in the song. Uh, yeah, I was in the song. <laughs> has, are we gonna play the song at the end? No. Okay, we I'm trying copyright. to copyright Lincoln bio. Okay, sorry. Yeah, we'll have a link in the bio. Okay. Yeah, we can do that, right? That's fine. Yeah, uh, but that that place has 
90% of the time is a, is within a five degree radius of the sun. Okay. Yeah. Well, then maybe they deserve the right to say it, but people in Ohio, do we have the no, right? No, no, they don't say like, they, they, they would not say that it changes. If yeah, somebody do. in San Diego said, oh, it's just that San Diego weather, I would say, you're wrong. They would. They'll be like, oh, you don't have an umbrella. You need one in 10 minutes. That's San Diego weather. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Man, yeah. okay. I, I just, I think I would have thought that there would have been. The only more. the only place I would say that could maybe do it is Denver. That They had some crazy fluctuations. We lived there for a while and it was. It would fluctuate, but even still, I'm like, that's just weather, guys. Weather changes. <laughs> Coastal, yeah, I, would say, I think islands. I have. I'd like to stay optimistic that there are some places that are that, that are unchanging in weather. Find me one, and then I will change my pet peeve. Like I said in the beginning of the podcast, I reserve the right, right to change my opinion based on new data. Wow. Okay. So cool. Change my mind. All right. Uh, number two. This one's also up there, and I could talk for a long time about this. Just rules that don't make sense, like rules for the sake of rules. I, for example, like, I will yeah, follow. Oh gosh, you want some examples? Let's think. Last night I was in the airport and no one else, and there's no one in line. I was the first person walking up, and they had the huge zigzaggy thing. And so I'm like, oh, cool, I'll just walk right around it because there's a way here. I get halfway up there, and the TSA lady said, nope, you got to walk. I'm like, so you want me to, to walk through the zigzaggy thing and, and look at you for five minutes while I'm. And so I did. I had to turn around. I had to walk. I'm like, up, up, up. just waving at her a little bit. And I'd walk back this way. I'm like, pulling my back. I'll see you in a minute. And she's just watching me. And I'm like, that's a rule just for the sake of a rule. Like, it, I'm more of the intent of the law versus the letter of the law type of person. Mm. A stop sign. If I roll up to a stop sign and there's no one else around, why do I have to stop? The point of that rule is to keep me from wrecking into another car. So the law should be stop if there's a car present, not stop all the time. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I don't know about the stop side one, but the TSA one, I totally agree. Or, for example, there's another. This one got me. I was, uh, I forget where it was. I was trying to order a quesadilla with nothing but chicken, lettuce, and tomato, and cheese. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry, we don't have that option. I'm like, well, I see four different quesadillas here. There's, like, the big boy, the, the I don't know, the happy boy. Like, they had all these different names of <laughs> yeah, burrito. Happy or baby. Quesadilla. Yeah. Happy baby. And so, <laughs> yeah, the service, she's like, yeah, so you have to, you can get one of those. And I said, well, I really, I just want chicken, cheese, lettuce, and tomato. And she said, well, we don't, that's not an option. I said, well, like, this one has lettuce, this one has chicken, this one has, like, so could you just, could you make? And she said, we, well, that's not, and so I said, okay, give me the big boy, take everything off of it, add chicken, cheese, lettuce, tomato. She said, okay, yeah, we can do that. I'm like, but, oh. <laughs> rules for the sake of rules. Don't like it. Um, another one. This is another. I, I was thinking of this one last night because I was listening to it on the plane. Pilots, when they start telling you random technical jargon just to show off, like um, they're like, "Hey, everybody! Just wanted to let you know the uh, wind speed is uh, about forty-eight knots coming out of the southeast, and we got a tail speed." And I'm like, "I don't. What does that mean?" Like, <laughs> am I, are there people in the back of the plane like doing calculations on their? Like, oh, okay. <laughs> You're like, uh-oh, this means we're going to be three <laughs> seconds behind. Yeah, like, I just want to, what do you want me to do with this information? Like, you just you turned into a pilot. What? You just turned into a pilot just now. I did just. <laughs> that was, that was legit. And, and audience, there was no sound effect. No, there was not. His hands it, it was his, his hands. hands. Uh, can, I, can I comment on that for a second? Sure. Again? Yeah. Uh, you have I, a lot of comments yeah, to make. Well, uh, we had maybe the worst strategic pilot, like with no public awareness on the plane and it, i was in a pretty mellow mood so i didn't care a ton but I, I, there was almost a riot we and when we flew down to orlando they they we got stuck on the tarmac 
So we roll in, there's a bunch of lightning storms, but we, we, we get in early. It wasn't the lightning storms that held us up. We mm-hmm. got to where, at, where the people mover is, the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And they said, we're sorry, the tunnel's not working. Oh. We're going to, no, no, no. At first it wasn't that it wasn't working. They said, there's nobody to move it. Oh, you have to just move it yourself. And that's why I thought, oh, cool. So I'm hanging out. Meg and I are looking at Instagram. We're having a great time. And then over the course, I mean, it was about an hour and a half that we sat in this plane mm. on the tarmac. And the problem was, is that if we we're in the air for an extra hour and a half, everybody would be a little uncomfortable. We're yeah. there. You we can, can see, see it. it. They said, there's nobody to move it. Finally, they got somebody and then they can't move it. Third, it's it's broken. So they're trying to fix it. Mm. And at one point in, in an hour and 15 minutes in, this pilot gets on and he goes, okay, guys, I just want to let you all know that uh, I have turned off the seatbelt sign so you can move oh. around the cabin. And people started yelling. <laughs> they said, what do you mean? Like, can you put the stairs down? I can walk outside. What do you mean yeah. the, the seatbelt? I, I just thought it was so unaware to come on and maybe he was making a, maybe he thought it was funny. Yeah. But just, and he's got that locked door in between. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's the flight attendants that have to deal with that. Yeah. I just thought, what what in the world? Why would you say that? Because everybody thought by the tone of his voice and the way he prefaced it that people were going to get off the plane. Yeah. But that is rude. I'll, I'll throw one more plain one then while we're talking about yeah. it. As This is a rule that didn't make sense. As we were boarding, the, the rule is, okay, you can only have two bags, a carry-on and a small bag. Okay. Um, and so I had my backpack and a rolly thing. Mm-hmm. I also had literally just, I oh, said it again. I had a um, bag with my wet swimsuit in it. Mm-hmm. And Jamie had nothing but a backpack. And so he said to me, hey, if it wasn't even a backpack, it's like a small purse. And so as we're boarding, he said, oh, you can only have two. I'm like, well, there's, there's two of us together. This is the right amount of bags. He's like, well, yeah, I mean, you just, while you're boarding, you need to take that from her and put it in that bag. And I said, but, but it's really, you can see here, like that this is, it's the right amount of bags between the two of us, right? He's like, well, yeah, but you got to put it in here. I'm like, but do I like this? And he's, yes. And so I had to take her bag, put it in my bag as I walked on there. And then I was able to take it off. Hmm. Just, it was stupid. Last one, last pet peeve. Um, people complaining about you pronouncing their name wrong. My name's Waylon Willoughby, and I don't think it's ever, I don't even know if I just pronounced that correctly. People have pronounced it wrong my entire life, spelled it wrong. It's like, they, they tried to say your name, just be happy, all right? Um, I don't know. It's it's a weird name. You have, how, how do you pronounce your Literally today, it was hilarious. I was talking to a client that I've talked to before. Mm-hmm. And she was like, who are you? And I was like, she's old. It's fine. And she goes, and she's like, oh, it's Char, S-H-A-R. She goes, Sean, hey, Sean. And I was like, I was like, I literally, yeah, I spelt it. But I get it all the yeah. time. And I, I just, I laugh because it's just hilarious. Yeah. It's, like, okay, it's hilarious. You messed up my name. Anyway, that, that's my, that's all I have for now. I mean, we could go on for days, but we need to probably stop that. Uh, well. Two minute drill. Two minute drill. All right. Audience, get locked and loaded. Is there anybody left at this point? It's been really long. You'll be surprised, man. Okay. Cool. We got some triggers. No, I'm telling you, I, I truly think people enjoy the longer episodes. Okay, well, let's let's we'll close this one out after. Let's do it all night or this. Okay. All right, two minutes starting now. What is your death row meal? 
Uh, I just wouldn't commit a crime to put me on death row. What if you had one last meal to eat? What would it be? Um, Chick Fil A number one combo, extra pickles, ranch, Chick Fil A sauce for the fries. Oh wow! Favorite book that you give to other people? The Bible. Other than the Bible, Uh, the Men We Need by Brant Hansen. Okay. Or oh gosh, I have a lot. I have a lot of books. I have a whole library of them. Um, okay. Would you rather have well, an octopus? Excuse well, me. Would you rather have an octopus stuck to your face mm-hmm. for the rest of your life, or would you rather be stuck in the middle of a blizzard, naked? Can I do both? No, you have to pick one. Uh, I guess the octopus. Then. Okay. Be friends. If you could be phenomenal at any football position, what would it be? Mm, defensive end. Wow. Okay. Just sack the quarterback, mess him up. Defense. It's all about defense. Some might say sack attack. Sack attack. Sack attack. (laughs) The throwback. Uh, If you had the billboard the entire world could read, what would you put on it? Chick-fil-A Players Parkway. Something like that. Just second. Nicki Minaj or Cardi B? Um, Oh, neither. You have to pick one. Uh, I'm trying to sing the song. I think it's Nicki. Probably Nikki. Okay. Your can I, can I go with Little Kim instead? No. Okay. Yeah, I like Little. No, nope. thank you. That's your second question. favorite quality of Jamie, because I believe you've already mentioned your first. Second favorite quality of Jamie, patience. It's you. But I just pointed at you. Oh. Um. What's your favorite type of weather? Um. Whether the weather is warm, whether the weather is not, well, whether the weather, whatever the weather, whether we like it or not. There we go. Ooh, so, cold, boots. Yeah, yeah I, I would say probably like fall, cool air. Mm. There we go. That's it. Waylon, thank you for hopping on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Uh, once again, this is my disclaimer. Anything I said that was offensive, I apologize. Come talk to me in person. And uh, what was the other thing I said? Oh, I also reserve the right to change my opinions. So when I'm running for president in 10 years. Audience, thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, please check out Waylon, our sponsor. Just the person. Yes. Um, you can meet him anytime at 3.30 class. Is that what time you go to? Uh, most of the time, yeah. 3.30 class. Um, audience, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye.